God bless you, everyone. My name is Dave, and we've been talking in our Wednesday night Bible sessions on the topic of who am I? Uh, when we don't know who we are, then there's a problem. That problem is a crisis. What kind of crisis? Well, it's an identity crisis. So our agenda today is five basic agenda items. We'll talk about what is an identity crisis, what does it look like, what does it feel like, and what to do about it, and how can God help. So let's first talk about uh, what is the psychological definition of an identity crisis. An identity crisis is a developmental event, not medical, but a developmental event that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. The concept originates in the work of developmental psychologist Eric Erickson, who believed that the formation of the identity was one of the most important conflicts that people face. Okay, let's talk about three stressful things in life. My mother told me there are three most stressful things in life that can cause an identity crisis. Okay, what are they? They are one, getting a new job. Number two, moving to a new home. Or number three, getting married. See? She told me that your identity is how you identify yourself to the world. And the crisis is the explosion when the world you identify yourself in caves in. The world she talked about is the one you created yourself. It's not the real world. It's not God's world. If the world you live in doesn't work, it's because you don't work. If you can handle change, then you are living in the real world. Remember the three most important uh, stressful things in life that can cause an identity crisis that my mother talked about. Getting a new job, moving to a new home, and getting married. I did all of that in the first three weeks in October of 2002. <laughs> God was there to help me through this because as I was joined with my wife together, we became one with God in the center as glue. We worked together in our marriage, preparing our new home and being excited about a new job at the time. You know, that was almost 20 years ago. Nothing has changed. The job is long gone, including the company. I still live in the same home, and of course I'm with Maria. Why not, you know? <laughs> when you have the best, who cares about the rest? Oh, and of course, God is still there. So let's talk more. What is an identity crisis? Your identity is who you are, and a crisis is when you forget who you are. It is when the train derails and is off direction. It's when the turnip falls off the truck. It's when the boat sinks and is lost. Here's the examples of the result. This is the keyword: the result of an identity crisis. Um, and, and this, this unfortunately, you, you see it. Married men dating other women. Fancy lifestyles with debt and empty bank accounts. People who focus on titles instead of good works. People who are not accountable for their actions and therefore don't take correction. Making commitments without planning. Ignorant of being deceptive and manipulative. And various stages of escaping responsibility. My father taught me about identity and the changes in life. He said, a boy does what he wants to do. A man does what he has to do. There's the difference. Now let's talk about people without without an identity crisis. What does it look like when they do not have an identity crisis? Number one, they earn respect. They don't demand respect. People without titles uh, don't advertise them. Uh, 
their lifestyle matches their bank account. It's okay to rent and not hold a mortgage. Next, they are connected with family and community. They have good character and integrity in the community. Uh, they don't complain. Listen to how they speak. They are responsible. Uh, they hold themselves accountable. They never blame others. They accept correction. They are motivated, organized, and disciplined. That means they're on their A-game. So these are people without an identity crisis. Now let's talk about the manifestation of an identity crisis. A failed character that shows integrity. That's what it is. Examples are the deception as an act of trickery, manipulation to steal from others, and selfishness to self-satisfy at the expense of others. Now, the actions of deception, manipulation, and selfishness stem from fear, intimidation, and jealousy. Now, fear, intimidation, and jealousy are the ingredients to anxiety. The pharmaceutical, I should say this again, the pharmaceutical companies make money on your anxiety. And again, I'm talking outside of medical situation. See, they'll not tell you about the 333 rule. Number one, look around you and name three things you see. Number two, then name three sounds you hear. And number three, finally move three parts of your body, like your ankle, fingers, or arm. Whenever you feel your brain going 100 miles per hour, this mental trick can help you center your mind, bringing you back to the present moment. Um, what does the Bible say about identity? That's a good one. What does the Bible say? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8 tells us that knowing our identity in Christ will strengthen and help us live a victorious life here on earth. I'll read to you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Think. We use the word people a lot. Have you seen that? The people. The people of. Have you heard of that? The people of a lot. We may speak of the people of Africa, or the people of Asia, or the people of Europe. We may also narrow the focus and speak of the people of Brazil, or the people of China. When we speak of the people of, we are speaking of, of people belonging to a geographic location, or an ethnic group, or some other characteristic that unites them. Uh, we, the church, <laughs> belong to God. How's that? We, the church, belong to God. Our identity as a distinct people is that we belong to God without regard to race or sex or geographical location or time. As the one people of God, we should show forth the love of God to the other people of the world. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, the scripture says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Now let's talk about going through, going through an identity crisis. It is important to note that an identity crisis is not an actual diagnosis. Rather, a person going through an identity crisis may find themselves preoccupied with certain questions. For example, number one, what am I passionate about? Number two, what is my spiritual connection to God? Number three, what are my values and ethics? Number four, what is my role in society or purpose in life? And number five, who am I? 
this question we have been talking about. Often we feel pressured to define ourselves through our jobs, financial status, successes, grades, appearance, what other people say about us, and many other means. But what happens to our identity when we experience failure, or lose someone's failure, or become burned out in our jobs or place of service? Now, there are changes that affect our identity. People tend to experience them at various points throughout life, particularly at points of great change, including beginning a new relationship, ending a marriage or partnership, experiencing a traumatic event, having a child, learning about a health condition, losing a loved one, losing or starting a job, moving to a new home. These are examples. A stable uh, sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity on external things. When circumstances change, our identity constantly changes too. It's developmental through our journey and growth. We may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures. But what, what would it look like to base our identity on the way God sees us? Now, let's talk about a new identity in Christ. One of the richest passages about our identity in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. In this passage, the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, explaining the new identity given to a person when they are in Christ. According to Ephesians chapter, uh, let's see, according to Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure, blameless, forgiven. We have received the hope of spending eternity with God. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. However, a gap exists between intellectually knowing these truths about who God says we are and living them out. This can be affected by how we see ourselves, life experience, and the ways we allow the world to define us. In order to live out of the fullness of our new identity in Christ, we must determine what hinders us from doing so. That varies uh, from person to person. Often a false belief was, has wedged itself between how God defines us and seeing ourselves in the same light. For example, the opposite of pure and blameless would be impure, stained, or guilty. Perhaps a life experience has caused you to feel impure, so you believe God sees you this way. You then create and live out an identity based on your actions, which is contrary to how God sees you. In order to fight against these false beliefs, we must discover the exact belief we are allowing to negatively form in our identity. Now let's talk about ch uh, challenging uh, false beliefs about yourself. Uh, once you recognize a false belief, surrender it to God. Surrender it to God. Turn away from it by choosing not to agree with it. Then replace the lie with truths found in the scripture. Sometimes the lie is connected to a very real painful experience. Take some time to grieve over the experience and invite God into the place of brokenness. After you have surrendered the lie over to God, pray that he will help you believe the truth 
about who he says you are and make you aware of times you do not believe it. We may not always feel forgiven or blameless, but the truth is, God sees us that way. This is where faith comes in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, for we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So how does God see you? How does God see you? If we live out an identity based on how God sees us, we no longer feel the need to find our worth in our external circumstances. It frees us up to live confidently and stably instead of changing who we are based on the opinions of others. Our professional success, how we see ourselves, and all the other ways we define our significance. It gives us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love in new and fresh ways, and it allows us to confidently and boldly share his love with others. It is certainly a battle as we live in a world that seeks to define us by its own standards. But the battle is worth it because as we fight it, the world around us changes. How would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? Know your future self. Let's talk about that, to know your future self. One way to feel more secure in your sense of self and more confident in, in who you want to be is to practice visualizing your best possible future self. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Imagine your life in the near future, focusing on specific aspects of your life that will have gone as well as possible. Listen to what God is telling you. Think about ways to make the vision you have for yourself become a reality. Recall the future you've imagined any time you feel stuck or otherwise lost in life, and use it to center yourself. The values you hold are central to who you are as a person. They help shape your identity in many ways. One of the easiest ways to find a sense of purpose in life is to always embody the values that you hold dear. If being kind and compassionate are part of your values, then find ways to practice kindness and compassion every day. If fostering a sense of community is one of your values, then get to know your neighbors and try to organize a monthly get-together, whatever it may be. Now, let's talk about recovering from loss or change. Loss and change can be devastating, but they also offer us a new opportunity to evaluate who we are and what we are doing. Chances are your goals and dreams are different now than they were five or ten years ago, and yet you may have become blind to that change because of habit and circumstance. Anytime you suffer a loss or a sudden change, use it as an opportunity to reassess and to reevaluate your life. Many people see a loved one's death, for example, as a wake-up call to do things differently or to stop putting off long-term goals. A job loss, for example, can be a wake-up call to find a job that offers more happiness and fulfillment. Ask yourself honestly if your current goals and personal values are the same as they used to be. If they're not, find ways to incorporate your new goals and values into your life. Open it up to prayer. 
Let God be your mentor. Friends and family and significant others are all sources of stability for many people. Having a strong connection with your family or friends can also help you feel more stable in terms of identity by giving you a sense of belonging. Now let's talk about to know yourself, to know who you are in Christ. That's what we're going to talk about, to know who you are in Christ. Say to yourself, the Spirit of God, who is greater than the enemy in the world, lives in me. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the scripture says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that's 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Say to yourself, I have received abundant grace and the gift of righteousness and reign in the life through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now say to yourself, I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of my heart enlightened so that I know the hope of having life in Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18, the scripture reads that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And that's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. Now, say to yourself, I am renewed in the knowledge of God and no longer want to live in my old ways or nature before I accepted Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 through 10, the scripture says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And that's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. Now say to yourself, I am chosen by God who called me out of the darkness of sin and into the light and life of Christ, so that I can proclaim the excellence and the greatness of who He is. In First of Peter, First of Peter, chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who called you out of out of darkness into His marvelous light. We started out by talking about what is an identity crisis. An identity crisis is a developmental event, not medical, that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. The concept originates in the work of developmental psychologist Eric Erickson, who believed that the formation of identity was one of the most important conflicts that people face. What are the three characteristics of establishing an identity? Number one, defining oneself within the world. Number two, feeling a sense of belonging. 
And number three, feeling unique. So how can you be connected? Let's find out. Number one, define yourself within the world. You have a purpose. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the scripture says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's in Jeremiah 29, 11. And number two, feeling a sense of belonging. You are part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14, the scripture says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. And number three, feeling unique. We are all unique in each of our own way. In Psalms chapter 139, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So we are defined by this world with a sense of belonging and feeling unique. Now we can be with each other within the body of Christ. So we look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, and the scripture says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Our agenda today was, number one, three stressful things in life. Number two, what is an identity crisis? Number three, examples of identity crises. Number four, people without an identity crisis. Number five, the manifestations of an identity crisis. Number six, what does the Bible say about identity? Number seven, going through an identity crisis. Number eight, changes affecting identity. Number nine, a new identity in Christ. Number ten, challenging false beliefs about yourself. Number 11, how does God see you? Number 12, how to know your future self. Number 13, recovering from loss or change. Number 14, know who you are in Christ. And number 15, how you can be connected. And that was our journey. So basically, what questions did we answer? We answered, what is an identity crisis? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What to do about it? And how can God help? Most importantly, God is in the center. You got to work on it, but it is done with God. Listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. The bottom line is, is about choice. It's all about choice. You can enter an identity crisis. You can live through an identity crisis. And you can finally exit an identity crisis. Or better yet, you can avoid the identity crisis altogether. It's a choice. And obviously, I'm speaking outside of specifically medically diagnosed situations. Uh, I'm not talking about hospitals-related issues connected to the identity crisis. Now, I'm going to read to you, uh, th this is a devotional that I read, um, and uh, I, I read it every morning, uh, you know, one page per day of the week. And um, uh, the day after, I... I uh, uh, Pastor uh, 
had given me uh, this lecture to do a Sunday night. And Monday morning um, was this, uh, this item in the devotional called Identifying with Christ. And uh, so it says here, and it quotes Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 11. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and uh, alive to God through Christ Jesus. And then it, uh, the devotional reads, When you are born again, you become one with Jesus Christ and identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. You now have the life of God in you. So see John chapter 10, verse 28. God himself lives in you, uh, and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. You are filled with fullness of God, and that's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Through the word, you share in his divine nature, and that's in 2 Peter chapter 1 through 4. Therefore, stand firm in uh, Jesus Christ. You live for God. You are dead to fear, failure, and defeat. You live in victory, joy, and in the power of his resurrection. And that's um, in Philippians uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. Identify with this new life and nature. You are a new creation. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The old things have passed away. Fear belongs to the old life and is from Satan. Stop identifying with the person you used to be and identify with the new life of Christ in you. Your new identity in Christ is fearlessness. Destroy the lie called fear. Take every thought captive under the word of God. Fear is something of the past and has no place in your life. Regard yourself as healed from fear which can operate in you if you are unfaithful, unfaithful to the Christ nature in you. When you are under pressure and at risk of failure, back into your old ways. Confess your identification with the living Christ and overcome your fear in his powerful name. And uh, the, the prayer at the end of the devotional says, Lord Jesus, it is an overwhelming but joyful truth that I may identify with you. Amen. Very good. Now, let's open up in prayer as we close out the final prayer. Um, and you can raise your hands and close your eyes as we pray. Dear Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. You are welcome into my heart. Clean what needs to be cleaned. Organized what needs to be organized. Throw out what needs to be thrown out. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Mold me more into your image this day. Help me never forget that I am your child, dear Lord, and that you are my father. Give me the strength and encouragement to carry about the business of the day and night. Guide me straight through your life. Protect my walk against the savages of this world. Be along my side. Hold me in your arms. I bless your holy name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for joining me. My name is Dave from the Resurrection Center, and I look forward to seeing you at 1060 Worcester Street, Indian Orchard. Thank you.